0: The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women is back with a new season. That's this week on Foreign Policy Playlist. It's me again, Laura Rossbrout broutellum For today's show, we want to share the first episode of Season 3 of Hero, The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. It's a foreign policy podcast hosted by Rena Nynan, funded in part by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and produced by me, along with Rob Sachs. This time around, we're partnering with journalists around the world to cover underreported ways women are challenging the status quo. Reporter Eunice Mina produced a segment for us about a group of girls in rural Kenya who created an app to end FGM, or female genital mutilation. We learned so much from Eunice about the hidden financial story behind FGM. And we knew we needed to open the season with this piece. This is probably obvious, but this episode contains some sensitive subject matter. So a warning there. Now you're going to hear my chat with Eunice Mina about her reporting and her
3: perspective on FGM. Growing up, I remember I went to school with a few girls who had undergone FGM. And it always pained me. And I kept wondering and asking myself, Why? Why do people do this to innocent people and all that? So I've always been that person who's an anti-FGM activist, if I can call myself that, although behind the scenes. I think I I just felt I need to tell this story because I hadn't seen it anywhere else. People always talk about FGM and all that, how to eradicate it, but I never came across people creating an app in order to help eradicate it.
0: Yeah, so tell me, what did you find interesting about this app that was different from other efforts to end FGM?
3: You know, people come up with a lot of uh, ideas. Let's join hands, let's do A, B, C, D, but I've never, honestly speaking, I'd never seen uh, where people come up with an app. And I, I also wanted to know, how is this going to work? How are you planning to put it across and, and especially for our community, like the Samburu people, people are not, uh, learned a lot in those areas. They're so tied up to cultural practices. So I also wanted to know how does an app work in order to eliminate this, uh, vice? I can say it was a fast one event for me and for these girls to even come up with something of the sort. I have learned a lot from it as well. I can say that.
0: Yeah. So so tell me, what was it like meeting Rosella?
3: First, it's a very remote area. So even getting to the place was a challenge for me because initially I remember we were supposed to go to the foundation, the Samburu Girls Foundation, to interview her. But uh, we got there and we were told she had just gone back to school. The school now is located in Noamba. So now going to Wamba, it took us a whole three hours to drive. The road is just rocky. It's bumpy. You're coming across uh, ostriches on the road, elephants, and the zebras. If the rain finds you in that area, my friend, you cannot even be able to come out. So we were lucky it was not raining. Oh, wow. I appreciate the fact that we got there safely and uh, on reaching St. Teresa's Girls, I met Rosila. She was so prepared and uh, excited, very eager to tell her story because she had not told the story about the end cut up.
0: And just for the listeners, you'll hear about Rosila in just a moment. But before we get to hear Eunice's great piece that opens the episode, just to get back to, you know, your reporting, I'm curious, you know, you're saying you've known people who've gone through this since you were young. This is an issue that, you know, you've probably thought a lot about. What, if anything,
3: surprised you in reporting the story? Yes, I've, I've come across people who've undergone it. They've told me their stories, but I think Rosilas was it changed something in me because I I never thought... uh, Yeah, I hear stories that people are being cut at such a young age, but I actually never met someone who has undergone it in a way that at the age of six and a half years or seven years, and at the same time, after undergoing that uh, device... The following day, you're getting married off, and it's not just being married off, but you're being married, and immediately, you're consummating your marriage. So that thing really pissed me off, I think, and I don't think it's humane at all to just think what you're doing to these young girls. They have a bright future ahead of them, so it's not right. It's not right.
0: Ugh. Oh, yeah. It's so horrible. Yeah. But, you know, so important that you're reporting this and that, you know, the world will get to hear it. It's so important. And we're very grateful that, you know, we got to work with you on the story. I'm curious, sister. this is my last question. You know, from your perspective, what do you think could help end FGM?
3: I think if... Just people come together, especially from those communities that still practice this uh, FGM. I think there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of education, especially for the older generation, since they're the ones who are still pushing for this vice, and just make them see how painful it is to do such things to young girls. And if they understand the disadvantages clearly, I believe they're the ones who are going to also encourage now their children and the other generations to come, that this thing is outdated. It has so many disadvantages as opposed to, they may be whatever they think is they're trying to achieve. So I think if we can have such, maybe, with time, this can change. You just heard from
0: journalist Eunice Mina. Her piece opens the third season of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, or Hero. The episode is titled The Hidden Economics of Female Genital Mutilation. Host Rena Nainen takes it from here.
1: Hi, I'm Rena Nainan, and we're thrilled to be back with season three of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, a podcast from Foreign Policy. For the past few years, we've been telling stories from all over the world about women fighting for gender equality, challenging norms, and pushing leaders to give women the same economic opportunities as men. This year, we're continuing to find those stories, but we're going even deeper into remote areas to unearth stories of truly remarkable women. To do that, we've enlisted a team of local reporters. Throughout the season, we'll hear about women making strides and changing the film industry to be more gender inclusive, finding ways to protect migrant women abroad, and forming collectives to give themselves more leverage. But for today, we head to Kenya. Reporter Eunice Mina has a story about a group of girls combating a devastating cultural practice. That practice was countered by opening up new economic opportunities. And just a warning, this episode involves sexual content. You may want to listen without young children around.
3: It's 5.30 p.m. here in Wamba Town, Samburu County, in the northern part of Kenya. Wamba is surrounded by hills, most of which are flat at the top. The main community here are the Samburu people, who are semi-nomadic. They're also known as the butterfly people, because of the bright red colors, bracelets, and beaded necklaces they adorn themselves in. Here, the elders, who are usually older men, rule the community and make all important decisions. This includes ceremonies such as weddings and other rites of passage. Unfortunately, outdated practices still persist in Samburu communities, such as early child marriages and female genital mutilation, or FGM. Lately, there has been a movement to end FGM. Wamba Town is a nine-hour drive from Nairobi via Mararal. The journey from Mararal to Wamba required us to drive on rocky, dusty roads. On the way, we came across zebras, ostriches, and elephants. I covered all this distance to meet a remarkable young lady.
2: My name is Rosella Lenanyike, and I'm in Form 4 in a school called St. Trezor's. Samburu East. joined the school 2019.
3: Rosilla is in her final semester of high school. Although she's just 17, she was robbed of her childhood years ago.
2: I was married off when I was nine years old. I stayed with my father. My mother passed on when I was six years old. And my father decided to marry me off to an old man who was
3: almost 42 years old. In the Samburu community, before a girl is married off, she first has to undergo female circumcision, which involves summing the genitalia. Rosilla was no exception. The painful ritual was conducted by elderly women in the village.
2: I was cut and I was taken to the man's home. I stayed there for a week and they started assigning duties to me. So I, I was given a duty of selling milk in the market.
3: It was during one of those market trips that Rosilla met a local activist who completely changed the course of her life.
2: That's where I met Dr. Josephine Kulea, and she actually saw that I was married. And you know, when you are married in the Samburu community, you have a chain that shows that you are a wife of someone. So she was really shocked. I was a very small kid.
3: Right then and there, Dr. Kulea took Rosila with her and helped her start a new life away from her husband.
2: She rescued me, and I'm very grateful. She took me to school, and now I'm in Form 4 hoping to complete in a month's time. I'm very happy and very grateful to mom. I love her so much and also thank God for this.
3: Since then, Rosilla's life has been completely transformed and so has the lives of over a thousand other girls rescued by Dr. Kulea and her organization, the Samburu Girls Foundation. Through this foundation, Rosilla experienced a second life-changing moment. That happened when Safaricom, one of Kenya's leading telecommunications companies, offered to support young girls at the rescue center through computer lessons.
2: We had two mentors from Safaricom. They brought us some computers, and they told us you can do some computer lessons, and you can think of something resourceful to do using the computer. They said they want 12 girls to be learning computers, and since I'm so passionate about things to do technology, every day I'm there.
3: As part of the sponsorship, Safaricom encouraged the girls to take part in the Technovation Challenge, a global competition run by an American nonprofit which seeks to promote technology and entrepreneurship for girls. The competition is open to young girls across the world between the ages of 8 and 18. They are judged on how well they are able to use technology to solve real-world problems. Rosilla, together with four girls from the rescue center, decided to put their computer skills to practice. They formed a team and named it Almasi.
2: We got this partnership with the Safaricom. They came to us one day and they asked us if we can identify the problem we face as girls and that's when we came up with the app called EndCut.
3: The technical lead for Team Almasi is Dorcas Kanipa.
2: We sat down and said how will we help other girls who are not rescued as us. And this practice which is against the rate of... Humanity.
3: We come up with that app. Rosilla and her teammates recognized that poverty was the enemy and the main reason why many young girls were getting circumcised and married off. EndCAT was created with the main purpose of bringing financial freedom for Samburu women and others from surrounding communities who are still performing FGM, says Jacinta Lerte, another of Rosilla's teammates.
4: We created that app to help Samburu women where they'll be making beads, and then they'll
2: be using that app to sell their bids. This will help to reduce the rates of poverty mostly, which
4: is somehow related to FGM.
3: To further explain, the elder women who perform these circumcisions get paid for conducting the practice, and so it's an important source of income for them. The app therefore offers them another choice by creating a new marketplace for beads and other crafts.
4: They will be selling their bids through
2: the app, then the money that they get, it will help them to raise their standards of living.
3: Apart from just raising the standard of living, the idea is that this new source of income will dissuade these elder women from cutting girls since they will no longer need the money from conducting the practice.
4: That's the main reason why some women are performing in FGM.
3: In early October, the Almasi team were declared junior finalists at the Technovation Challenge 2022 for creating the end cut-up. Rosila's teammate Dorcas says that when you empower women and girls, big things happen.
2: It was something that we cannot even imagine that we were going to win. And I can say we were extremely happy. The only thing that can limit you is yourself. And I've been praying to God that He can give me that, that determination in myself that I'll be able to make
3: other girls like me to see the bright future ahead. The EndCut app is a first of its kind in Samburu. And despite winning this prestigious award, Jacinta tells me that there is still a lot of challenges before the app becomes effective when it launches later this year. The main one being that many of the older people in Samburu do not own smartphones. So for now, the team is focusing on introducing it to those who have a phone and are more educated.
4: I think we'll
2: just find some women then we tell them about the app, and then they will help us to tell the others.
3: Despite this challenge, Rosilla is optimistic that the app will catch on. She sees it as part of a larger movement to change the mindset of communities still tied to outdated cultural practices.
2: My message to all girls, especially the girls who are undergoing the challenges, I want to tell them that you should not give up, keep on the spirit of fighting for your rights, and stand for the truth.
3: Rosilla is excited to provide a new economic opportunity for women and a new way for them to stand up and take control of their lives. For the hidden economics of remarkable women, Amunis Minor. We'll be right back with legal ways to end FGM.
0: You're listening to Foreign Policy Playlist. We'll be right back. Hey, my name is Coleman Hughes, and I'm the host of the podcast Conversations with Coleman.
3: I think that with the country is in flames already, we are headed toward the end of the American project. The
0: ability to think and speak freely is what moves society forward, where I have honest, unfiltered conversations about the most pressing issues of our time. Our world is becoming more polarized. Partisan hatred has infected every sphere of life. You can be canceled for having opinions that depart from the consensus of a few social media. Join me every week on Conversations with Coleman as I challenge convention, question everything, and Seek the truth with an open mind. Welcome back to Foreign Policy Playlist. I'm Laura ross Now, back to the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women.
1: Welcome back to the Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, a production of Foreign Policy. I'm Rina Nainan. According to the World Health Organization, more than 200 million girls and women alive today have experienced FGM, that's about 5% of women and girls around the globe. How can the world finally end this? One way is to clearly demonstrate to local leaders the devastating effects this practice is having, not just on women, but entire communities. Carolyn Lagat is a program officer at Equality Now and an advocate of the high court in Kenya. Lagat works largely on how to end female genital mutilation legally. But a big part of her work is training professionals to collect better evidence about FGM, including medics.
4: So, in the Kenyan context, what happens is that when an offense has been uh, reported, particularly injury on a body, you get two kind of forms: a p three form which is from the police where you reported the case, and a PRC form, which is also called a post rape care form it's called that, but it records all sorts of injuries so the post rape care form is found in medical hospitals and it's supposed to be filled and it's very very detailed in how it shows the level of injury, the degree, how serious it is. So when we started working with actors in the justice chain, we observed that in certain regions, the PRC form, which is supposed to be filled by the medics, is not being filled. Why is that? In certain circumstances, they were saying that the victim has to ask for it. But how would a victim ask for it if they don't know it exists? And then there's also an issue of uh, capacity building and also A knowledge gap for medics, because when they go through medical school, they are not trained how to interact with the justice aspect. So even the P3 form, we would find that certain medical practitioners avoid to fill that form because they're scared of making a mistake. So they would rather that it's filled with someone else. So that's why we started working with them under the umbrella of a court users committee. This is a multi-sectoral body that has everyone that interacts with the court. We trained all of them, and they exchanged their experiences working with each other. So the police would say, this is the challenge we have working with the the medics. This is what they do. This is how they do things, and we are not happy about it.
1: You know, changing cultural norms, allowing for economic empowerment is a lot of the focus of this episode. But how do you believe looking at female genital cutting could be powerful to end through legal action? And why do you think by ending it could better the lives of women economically?
4: Yeah. So I have to maybe start by saying that uh, female genital mutilation is not an issue that stands alone. Most of the time it's linked to marriage because a, a woman goes through female genital mutilation in preparation for marriage. So In certain communities, now it translates into early marriage. So for some of them, the injury will be so bad that it will not enable them to participate fully in the society. So that means if you get a fistula, you really cannot work. You cannot interact with people the same way that you do. You cannot work in an office setting.
1: What is a fistula?
4: So fistula is where, um, because of female genital mutilation or even prolonged labor, you're not able to hold your urine. You will constantly have uh, urine leaking, and which means that perpetually you may be smelling. Like urine that you have, like you have peed on yourself, and we know how uh, society and the stigma around that, and it really cripples lives of girls and even even women. So if it's a girl who is in school, most definitely, most of the time they will end up dropping out of school because of that, and this is completely out of their control. And in rural areas, they don't know that you can have it fixed that you can get medical care and be able to, to restore your control of the bladder. So that's the problem.
1: How do you explain to people who are not familiar with female genital mutilation why this needs to be changed?
4: Um, I'll give a very graphic example. When you cut the clitoris, it's the equivalent of cutting the entire penis. So you see, for male circumcision, it's just the foreskin. It is not the nerves because the nerves, they are very, very many. And in certain communities, they cut everything and then they sew it up. You leave a small hole to go to the toilet. So basically, when you pee, it's coming in drops, drops. How how can anyone live like that? And, you know, we usually say that there's a lot of investment that has taken place to end FGM. But the problem is because it is such a private thing, you don't see it people hide it, so we don't really discuss it. But if it was something that was visible, like someone not having a nose, it will be so grotesque that it would end immediately. That is the problem that that we're facing. And maybe, maybe just to point something, the problem has been that it's been framed as something that happens in Africa or third world countries, Africa and Asia. But Equality Now published a report last year that showed that actually female genital mutilation is something that is happening across the world in different ways, but across the world. The problem is that the interventions are only targeting Africa and it's been framed as something that is the other in you know, Africa and Asia. But once we treat it as something that is within every single country, because it is within every single country, then we can be able to see people being more open to try to understand uh, how does it affect women and girls in our society. I know you've already mentioned this, but
1: I want to know specifically, how does FGM impact women and girls economically?
4: So how is it is linked to economy? Your success in the society, particularly right now, is linked to your level of education, So if you're not able to access higher education, you're not able to continue with your education, you will be stuck in the perpetual poverty circle. So when girls get married young, as a result of, after having gone through FGM, we find that chances of them going through gender-based violence makes it higher. It's higher for them. They have low power to no power. So that means then if we're talking economically, they will not be able to decide or to even have the freedom to say that I want to do this kind of business because where are they going to get the money to start that kind of business? So it's crippling. So in that sense, it's important for female genital mutilation to be eradicated as well as child marriage so that women can have opportunity to continue their education and then also the opportunity to know that there are options beyond just getting married.
1: Can you give us a sense of numbers? How common are these cases in Kenya? How many reports do you see throughout the year?
4: It will be difficult to give you numbers because we don't have uh, national statistics and uh, national data on female genital mutilation. And another challenge is that cases of FGM are not reported. So I'll give you an example. We had a forum recently, and in that forum, we had police officers talking about one or two, three cases, the court saying maybe they have two cases in court. And when the medical professionals presented their statistics, it was about, 2,000, over 2,000 cases that they have seen of women and girls presenting themselves with pregnancy complications as a result of going through FGM. So you you can see this discrepancy. And unfortunately, uh, medical practitioners, because of the doctor-patient confidentiality, they cannot report cases of FGM, even when they receive uh, complications that they're trying to handle. So that is the problem that we have at the moment. And then in certain regions in Kenya, you see a correlation between FGM and teenage pregnancies. So that is what alerts us to know that FGM is still ongoing because in certain communities, once girls go through female genital mutilation, they are now allowed to be sexually active. And because we don't receive sex education in Kenya, most girls, most people do not know about family planning and use of contraception. So that, again, now Translates to teenage pregnancies. So that's how we are able to know that female genital mutilation is still happening in certain communities. And of course, we we'll receive reports, but you will not find this in official statistics and data. Carolyn, where do you see the biggest data gaps?
1: And how do you think getting better data could really help advocates?
4: The biggest gap is lack of investment, particularly the state. What we observe is that different government departments have their own data and they keep it to themselves. What is happening, let me speak for Kenya. What is happening is that the National and Gender Equality Commission has the sexual and gender-based a violence information system that is going to allow all government departments to divert their data there so that it can be accessible to everyone. And we are currently trying to encourage the various departments to input their data there so that it can enable us to know the reality in the ground and also to develop programs that appropriately address the underlying factors of FGM.
1: Many people... Recommend something called alternative rites of passage. You are not a fan of it. Can you sort of give me a sense as to why, what this is and and why you don't like this?
4: In most uh, cultures, women and men go through rites of passage to show that they have become adults. So for most cultures in Kenya, it's going through male circumcision. And uh, equally for communities as well, female genital mutilation So, and that means that you have become a woman, you can now get married and have children. So alternative rites of passage encourages that the ceremony continues, but without cutting the girls. If it's a slaughtering a cow or dancing music, let that continue. Let's keep the training and and the capacity building of the girls, or even showing them how to manage a household, but we don't cut. The problem with that is that We have not seen statistics or even data that shows that it is effective. And then also it brings in the question of, was that alternative rites of passage created with the involvement of the community? Has it been accepted by the community and the elders? Um, In in, in a particular community in Kenya, there was uh, alternative rites of passage was done. Uh, They brought the girls who had not gone through FGM. They had a ceremony to celebrate that they have graduated from the alternative rites of passage. And immediately after that, that same night, those girls were paraded and cut. They were taken through FGM. So that's a complete failure on the alternative rites of passage at that particular point because that shows that the community did not accept it, they did not approve it. And It exposed the girls who had not gone through FGM to now go through FGM. The point that I'm trying to make is that when you're developing an alternative rites of passage, it's very, very important to develop it together with the community, ensure that they have embraced it, and then work particularly with the elders. I know elders love to say that it's the women who are practicing FGM, it's not us, but they are the custodians of the culture. So if they say that there's no FGM, there will be no FGM.
1: For someone listening who might not have the legal support that Kenya has, for someone in another country who might want to change their policy, where do you begin? Change is hard, especially on a topic like this.
4: I would say that people can actually report cases of FGM to the U.N., or to the regional human rights mechanisms that are within the different regions. So for us in Africa, we have the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. So we report such cases and we say that, okay, we have FGM in our country. This is what the government is doing. This is what they're not doing. We recommend that they do this. And from there, governments get recommendations to change the way that they are dealing with FGM. So the reason why I'm mentioning this international human rights mechanism is because all countries want to have good PR with relation to human rights. They want to be known as countries that respect human rights, countries where their citizens are free and their human rights are not violated. But once something like this is reported, they will immediately try to change it. So that's why... I advocate that make noise about it because bad PR will actually lead to change in the way that governments are handling these issues.
1: What a great way to end on, and so much hope that can be found even in the darkness. Caroline, I want to thank you for everything you're doing and for raising this issue that many people might not be familiar with, but affects the lives of so many women across the world. Thank you. That was Caroline Lagotte, a program officer at Equality Now. She's focused on ending female genital mutilation and child marriage in Africa. So why should people care about female genital mutilation? It's really an uncomfortable topic and it may seem foreign to so many, but it affects 200 million girls around the world. It's one of the biggest discoveries for me in this episode was finding out how the older women can benefit economically by actually keeping the practice alive. And also learning that this can be countered through the power of education, giving both the girls and the women new economic opportunities, transform their thinking and their outlook on FGM. Once again, proving that education, when coupled with economic empowerment, can be tremendous drivers of hope and transformation in any culture. Next week, how girls and women are trying to transform filmmaking in Nigeria.
3: The training was just like a miracle kind of opportunity for me. Now I see myself as someone that can make any kind of film that I want to make. More
1: about how to increase the number of women behind the camera next week. And that does it for today's show. The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women is a production of Foreign Policy and is made possible through funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women is hosted by me, Brina Ninan. Laura Rossbrow Tellum is our senior producer, Rob Sachs, our managing director, and our thanks to Eunice Mina, who contributed reporting for this episode. Foreign Policy's audio team includes Rosie Julin, Maria Jimena Aragon, Claudia Tatey, and Dan Afron. If you like what you're hearing, we hope you'll subscribe and write us a review. It really helps us to spread the word about what we're doing. Thanks so much. We'll be back in your feed next week.
0: That's it for Foreign Policy Playlist. If you like what you've heard, you can follow us. And if you want to suggest a great podcast, you can email us at podcasts at foreignpolicy.com. Our production team includes Yurei Wu, Rosie Julin, and Rob Sachs. I'm Laura Rosbrock tellum Thank you so much for listening.
1: Vacation <laughs> sex is always irresistible. Gwyneth Paltrow. I could make it all about them
4: and not have to focus on my own problems. <laughs> and Seth Rogen. <laughs> so if you're wondering what your favorite celebrity or I would do in your situation, just listen and subscribe to Anna Ferris is Unqualified. Free on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Acast helps creators launch, grow and monetize their podcast everywhere. Acast.com